Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Editor of, of PW Comics World. Um, and also Editor of The Fanatic, uh, PW's new uh, uh, twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Uh, we're back on the floor of the San Diego Comic-Con, the biggest pop culture show in North America. Uh, we're back in the D.C. booth again, uh, but I have the great pleasure to be with my Welcome old buddy, Shane Yang. And if you doubt that we're at Comic-Con, just listen for the next few minutes, yeah. so to speak, That's of the right, D.C. booth. Are. Anyway, Gene, thank you for being on More to Come Again. Thank you, Calvin. <laughs> it's always fun to hang oh. out with you. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, I could uh, give a long list of all your stuff. I mean, um, you know, American-born Chinese. Uh, I, I, yet again, interesting, another reimagination of Superman. But that's which is what we're going to talk about today. That's right. Um, but, you you know, everybody knows you've done a lot for this category, for reading, uh, for getting comics in the hand of kids and oldsters like me. So... <laughs> We thank you for your service. I don't think you're that old, Calvin. I don't think you're that old. Well, at all. The, that's that. You know, I won't cite a number, but you know, it, 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 there's a number. There's a big number. Anyway, but we are here to talk to you about Superman smashes the clan. Uh, not the first time you've worked on Superman, so it's no. very interesting. But you bring a wonderful perspective, and uh, DC seems to be in the midst of reimagining Superman for a new generation, as all comics publishers have to do. Yeah. Even an iconic character like Superman. So, yeah. tell us something about this story and where it came from. Well, this is actually an adaptation of an old, old Superman story. So, okay. in, the, in the 1940s, in 1946, uh, on the Superman radio show, Superman uh-huh, actually sure. went up against the Klan. Against an analog for the clue. This is really Klux interesting Klan. that in the 1940s. In the 1940s. Yeah. In the 1940s. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that storyline is considered the beginning of the Klan's public relations downfall. So before that, in some communities, the Klan was considered like a community organization. They would run parades and (laughs) they would have family picnics. Mm -hmm. The whole family would come out dressed up in the the white robes and hoods. And after this, (laughs) after the Klan had been presented as these sort of bumbling, hateful bigots Mm. on the Superman show, uh, nobody could really take them seriously. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was. It was. Uh, it was seen as a historically important moment for Superman. And it's also seen as this proof that the stories that a culture tells are important. That they mm-hmm. actually affect real life. Well, I mean, that certainly seems to be your project with so many of these super Superman scripts that you've taken on. The ability of pop culture to be to handle a vision of social justice. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know? and, and, and I think for Superman, this was a, 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 a point at which he definitively became a symbol for that. He became mm-hmm. a, a symbol for like a, a, a multicultural America. Mm-hmm. This idea that we can be of different cultural backgrounds but still live together in unity. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the plot, actually? Sure. In, so yeah. in the original and, yeah. and in our version, uh, what sets it off is a, a Chinese-American family moves into Metropolis. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, the, uh, a group of hooded bigots get really pissed off about it. And then Superman <laughs> and the Daily Planet crew come to their defense. It's as if the story was written just for you, like, you know, uh, you know, 70 <laughs> or 80 years later. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's like it a weird a, time capsule. Yeah, it was kind uh, of a weird thing. Yeah. Like, I was intrigued when I found out that it was a Chinese-American family. Wow, interesting. That, that moved in. Um, uh, well, well, can you tell me a little bit how you approach it? Um, 
obviously you're, you're transferring a radio script into a comic script. Sure. Uh, and obviously the artist. I, I would love yeah, to know more about the artist. The art's amazing. The art's amazing. So let's start with that. The art okay. is done by Guri Huru. They're mm-hmm. a, a Japanese studio, but it's really just two women. One of them does all the pencils. Mm-hmm. The other one does all of the inks and the colors. We did 15 volumes of oh. the Avatar Last Airbender series together for mm-hmm. Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are, I think they are among the top talents working today in mm-hmm. American comics. They're based out of Japan, but uh, a lot of their work is, is published here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so early on, we wanted um, a style of art that was a blend of those old Fleischer Superman cartoons mm-hmm. and manga. Yeah. And I feel like they totally delivered. They yeah. They totally delivered. No, absolutely. I mean, it's really interesting because it's a really pop style with this really yeah. dark, you know, yeah. you know, plot going through it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, we wanted to target it at, at middle grade kids because the original yeah, radio sure. show was targeted at, at kids too. Actually, you sure. know, like eight, nine, ten year olds. Uh-huh. Um, now, and I think I read somewhere now that that these radio plays um, actually introduce many of the characteristics we associate with, with Superman now that they actually yeah. weren't in the comics at the time. Yeah. And you've also got Superman, really, the, the the sort of altered universe of the 1930s, yes. you know, Man of Steel. Yeah, absolutely. So we use the we use the um, the logo from those old Fleischer cartoons, mm-hmm. and and the radio show did introduce a lot of the Superman mythos. Mm-hmm. So, um, like for instance, Kryptonite showed up for the very first time on the radio show. Superman yeah. flew for the very first time on the radio yeah, well, show. Interesting. And we're playing with those elements yeah. in our story as well. It's like so, radio, the ultimate for special effects. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so in our story, Superman flies for the very first sure. time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, there's obviously great symbolic value in Superman as this, uh, allegory of immigration. And I, uh, this clearly, uh, has, it clearly has value today, you know, for reasons that I don't have to really go into. Um, this this has got to be an, an important aspect of it. Taking on a story like this. I mean, Superman in general, this is, is this your, what, your third? This is my third third Superman project. That's true. That's my third Uh, Superman project. This is something that I've been wanting to do for a while, right? Like mm-hmm. when I went into, I did ten issue run on the main Superman yeah. mm-hmm. storyline, and I did want to talk about the fact that he's this immigrant. He's an immigrant from Krypton, yeah. and I feel like um, I didn't. I mean, part of it was I just wasn't. I hadn't gotten used to the monthly schedule yet, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like I wasn't able to hit that as hard as I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where we're doing it. So one of the big differences between the radio show and the comic is that in the radio show. The Chinese American family, even though they play a big part in the inciting incident, they kind of fall to the background after this. Yeah. And mm. we're kind of centering it on the mm. Chinese American family, specifically the daughter. Mm. So in our story, her name is Roberta, and mm. she's kind of like a Lois Lane in training. She really looks up to Lois Lane. All right. Uh, and by doing that, by centering the story on this immigrant family, it also highlights Superman as an immigrant from mm. Krypton. Yeah. Well, um, you did, uh, you worked on Superman with John Romita. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you worked on, um, the new Superman. I did, yeah. 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 Uh, really taking Superman out of his element and kind of reimagining. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously you talked about the symbolic value a little bit, but I mean, is there anything more you can say? I mean, Superman, um, I mean, there's, like I said, there's a number of interesting guys, cause I'm actually gonna be talking with Frank Miller this afternoon. Oh, you are. That's uh, which I'm actually okay. really blown away by this new version that's uh-huh. out there now. I mean, what does Superman mean to this culture? I mean, this is a character that just, you know, he, well, he doesn't die out. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't get old. Um, and people want to see a new version of him for the times that we live in. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think Superman is one of those characters. I mean, he's he's one of the few characters that was powerful enough and popular enough to establish his own genre, right? Mm-hmm. Every other superhero yeah. out there, mm-hmm. Batman, The Flash, anybody that, yeah. that that's in the Marvel Universe, they're all variations on the Superman yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, what is most interesting about him is that he has this dual identity, mm-hmm. that he is, you know, like... He's Kryptonian and he's also American. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, mm-hmm. when most people see him walking down the streets of Metropolis, they think he is a quote-unquote average American. Mm-hmm. But deep mm-hmm. down inside, he knows he's not. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and this dual identity, I feel like that dynamic felt very real to me as a kid. Because yeah. I lived it. You mm-hmm. know, sure. I, I had a sure. Chinese name at home, an American name at school. I spoke sure. two different languages. Yeah. Lived under under two different sets of yeah. cultural expectations. Yeah. That's the core. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a, yeah. a perfect. Well, this maybe this is a perfect way to kind of to wind it up. The, the uh, Superman, the ultimate, um, you know, hyphenated Kryptonian American. That's right. Um, uh, look, he. Uh, we keep returning to this story because clearly yeah. it has it has deep meaning for Americans, as pop culture always does. Yeah. I mean, he, he's an American icon. Yeah, and at the very heart of him is the immigrant story. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, like many uh, readers out there, we're really great to see him uh, molded a little bit in your hands. Uh, certainly, the, the the big leagues of you know superhero comic book writing. So, <laughs> so you're an all star man. And look, thank you Hell once then. again for being on more more to come. My pleasure. It's all right. an honor. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reese, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, uh, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of The Fanatic, PW's new comics and pop culture newsletter. So um, check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, we're back on the floor of the San Diego Comic-Con, the biggest pop culture show in North America. I always have to get that in. Uh, but um, uh, it's been a day of talking to really great people. Talked to Gene Yang before, right? Now I'm talking with Karen Berger, the Hall of Fame editor uh, of the, the former editor of the uh, pioneering Vertigo line, now editor of Burger Books here at Dark Horse. Uh, Karen, always great to talk to you. Thanks for being on More to Come. Hey, my pleasure, Calvin. Always great to see you. Well, once again, congratulations on being inducted into the Will Eisner Hall of Fame. Richly Thanks. deserved. Thank you so much. That was a, quite a thrill. Yeah, quite not, a thrill. yeah not, quite bad. A not bad. Not bad. Quite you know, yeah, uh, yeah. this comic book business works out pretty good sometimes and, and what's great and i know right now i'm one of few women but in it but considering how the industry has expanded yes in the past decade and how many more women are writing and drawing comics, yes yes you know i expect to see a hell and, of a lot more women up in the and writing and drawing so. the kind of comics that you pioneered in at a time in the system when probably wasn't ready for them but you made them ready for? Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. I mean, you know, part of the reason why I published the comics that I did at Vertigo was um, I was not a comics fan growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have any preconceived notions to what a comic mm-hmm. could be. And I just liked to read. I liked mm-hmm. a lot of unusual things to read. I liked to do stories about characters in extraordinary situations. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I like to do stories that took place in the real world, you know, whether the real world is past, present, or future, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. had some sort of genre element, some sort of mm-hmm. magical realism, horror aspect, or speculative fiction aspect, or crime aspect, thriller aspect. But, I, but thematically... 
story had to say something. Yeah, you know, yeah. had to speak to you in some mm-hmm. way. And um, but it also had to, had to kind of push the boundaries of of what you could do in comics. And you know, I had no interest in uh, doing another take on another character. Again, mm-hmm. not to, I'm not dissing it. It's yeah. just kind of not my background. And, mm-hmm. and I have worked. At, I'm very happily in a lot of company-owned characters, like Wonder Woman with George mm-hmm. Perez and yeah, the sure. superheroes mm-hmm. of all mm-hmm. that. Sure. And, and you know, um, but in terms of Vertigo and, tr- and, tr- and trying to kind of just widen the landscape of the yeah. of, of, of giving the creators um, the opportunity to uh, and the rights mm-hmm. and the stake in their in their Ju- creations, yes. yeah, um, to create you know mm-hmm. new material, new new ideas, and all and key elements yeah. that maybe weren't really available in the North American comics industry at those in those years. We're actually talking about the early nineties. Right. Um yes. uh but now we are in a I, I mean place. I don't think it's yeah. an exaggeration to say a new golden age. There are so are. many yes. comics coming from so many different places, so many different people, kinds of people, Which is communities. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's fabulous. Yeah. So yeah. thank you, Karen Berger. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's and you're, you're but, yeah, but right. you're doing it again. Right. Yeah. You're, yeah, you've got a new line of books here, Burger Books. And, you know, and that's what we're really interested in about. We're really interested in, in yeah. hearing what's coming up. Well, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to get back into comics mm-hmm. was, um, you know, I missed it. I took a few mm-hmm. years off That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And after I left Vertigo. Um, mm-hmm. But when I decided I wanted to come back to comics, I really wanted to edit comics um, on my own. I didn't want a whole big line. Mm-hmm. I just want to get my hands dirty, be in the trenches again. But to really work with... Um, more women and mm-hmm. a more diverse group of people who have been under, you know, uh, you, represented. You, in I'm comments. not going to disagree yeah. with you. <laughs> and because for me, I mean, I just find, you know, I, I, I always feel like I'm really selfish when, when I talk about what I like to edit because yeah. it's all stuff that I, I personally like because I feel like, I've, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but even before that, I mean, I feel like the editor is the every reader. Yeah. Um, and um, I want to be um, inspired by what I read. Um, and I want to be taken to, I want to mm-hmm. be taken somewhere. I want it to be a transformative experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can happen in so many different mm-hmm. ways. But, but, but mm-hmm. I'm most inter- as a reader myself, I'm most interested in other people's cultures and other people's ways of life. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love yeah. that stuff. And I really wanted to, um, uh, give writers and artists a platform, um, to be able to, you know, who are less represented sure. in comics, um, to, you know, to tell stories, you know, yeah. in a place that is saying something different. So yeah. that's why I'm very happy <laughs> yeah. to be and working. And I want to just tell this and yeah. say, you, your arm swept to kind of take in all of this <laughs> where we are. I mean, we, we love Comic Con for what it offers, but you do, sometimes it's easy to get lost in the, uh, the controlled chaos of popular culture presented here. Absolutely. But, but Absolutely. you can yeah. find everything here at yes, Comic-Con. Yes. And, and, and your list is a good example of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, um, you know, I'm publishing um, LaGuardia. Yes, Which yes. is a graphic novel mm. by Nettie Okorafor. And we were talking about this. Um, uh, which is a wonderful, um, you know, science fiction story that's very much rooted yes. in the real world. And anyone from mm. New York, you know, knows what LaGuardia Airport <laughs> is like. Yeah. It's still under construction, you know. Yes. Centuries yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. our tagline on the book. Yeah. But but essentially, it, it's you know, Nettie pitched the comic, the, the story to me as 
a contract with God, but with African Americans mm-hmm. and illegal aliens and sure. extraterrestrial aliens. Yes. All coming, you know, coming to America and trying to find a community to live with and try to make it a new land. And that was, the, and I was like, wow, that is, that's a really great pitch. And, and, and the book really takes in also kind of another level of refugee. Yes. I mean that that's another uh, I guess it's an theme of the book. It's an mm-hmm. immigrant experience yeah. from different kinds of you know immigrants that are are um, not only human immigrants yeah. again alien yes. again yeah. um, actual aliens yes. you know yeah. um, as well as well as human illegal aliens. So <laughs> you know it, it is clearly sort of tapping into um, themes that's going on in the world today. But that sort of wasn't how the book started. It sort of oh, really, evolved huh? that way. I mean, it was part mm-hmm. of it, but but it's it sort of what's great about Diddy as a writer, she's quite organic mm-hmm. um, as she writes, and I really uh, love that. And um, and while the themes of, of immigration and um, you know, the difficulties that yeah. are going on, and, and, and especially our country today, <laughs> yes. are, are you know important. It, it it all sort of kind of blended together with the original concept, so it really uh, worked out beautifully. Yeah. And Tana Ford, uh, beautiful artist, art. The color, the color uh, is Jimmy particular. Devlin, oh, no, particular Scottish colors. Mm-hmm. I worked with Insurgent X. Brilliant stuff. And 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 Jimmy, you know, really brings this vibrancy to Tana's art which is vibrant on its own Um, and she has a great Great way with characters, great detail. She was, Nitty was great with a reference, and Tom yeah. took it one step further. Yeah. It was really, and you know, I really, I also love the almost Wakanda-like uh, characterization of Nigeria. Yes. yes, it was very, you know, that was very refreshing. Yeah, um, it was. I mean, hell, you know, I don't want to sound like an ethnocentric New Yorker here, but I learned a lot about Lagos. You know, yes, from yes, reading, yeah. from editing yeah. this comic, like you know, I didn't know that. You know, yeah. because I'm like a New Yorker. Yeah. I hate to say it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I don't. I don't like a lot of Americans. You don't kind of get out. Yeah, of you my can. We, you enough. can get into your tunnel, yeah, the tunnel vision but, for sure. Um, yeah, so it, it opened even up in New my, York. <laughs> it up, yeah, it opened up my eyes a lot. So, um, so the Guardians out mm-hmm. now. Um, I have a new series called Everything yes. by mm-hmm. Christopher Cantwell mm-hmm. and Ian Colbert. Um, uh, uh, Chris. Um, is also a writer and co-creator of mm-hmm. She Could Fly, which mm-hmm. is a series that came out, is coming out from uh, Burger Books. And we actually just announced at the show oh. that um, AMC has oh. put into development as a TV show. Um, and Very Chris cool. co-created um, the AMC show Halt and Catch Fire, which oh. was on for four years, which sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, um, sort of the birth of the computer industry mm-hmm. by way of right, Texas, yes, yes, like yes, sort yeah. of prairie, prairie, yeah, it was, yeah, Valley. yeah. But some of the great, best female characters mm-hmm. I feel um, uh, in TV in the past ten years they wrote about, and with She Could Fly, he has. Um, you know, she could fly. He explores sort of a, the life of a, of a 15-year-old girl who's mm. quite disturbed mm-hmm. um, and becomes obsessed with a flying woman who's soaring through the skies of Chicago and who blows up one day. And this girl—that's fascinating. Yeah, and this yeah. and this teenage girl is, you know, um, obsessed with finding out who was this flying oh. woman. Uh, goes on a search about her. At the same time. 
there's a sort of Washington physicist who's also trying to find out the secret technology that was in this flying woman's backpack, the accelerator, and then there's the Chinese intelligence are trying to find out. There's also a secret government faction. And you have all these forces coming together, but ultimately it's a story about this one girl trying to make sense of her own obsessive behavior uh-huh. and her own problems. It's tapped cool. into a lot of mental illness issues, um, which a lot of readers have responded to, um, and it'd make a great TV show. Right. So we're thrilled, <laughs> great. Um, thrilled to be to be doing that. Um, Terrific. And uh, so we just announced that show in development AMC today. Wow. And okay. then Chris is doing a, another series with Ian Colbert called Everything, which okay. is kind of about a kind mm-hmm. of like a superstore on steroids. It's sort of you mean superstore the TV. No. Oh, no, oh, no. Okay, okay. That's all right. For a second, no, I was like, oh. But it's not dissimilar to the fact that it is about a mega store. About a mega store, I see. Sure. And it takes place in the 1980s. It's it, it's um, it's sort of like a a, a search for mm-hmm. a bizarre. I, Bizarre pursuit for the American dream. Uh-huh. You know, it's when mm-hmm. you can have everything, when you can go to a store and buy everything you've always wanted, uh-huh. and have everything, have all your wishes fulfilled. What does that really mean? Interesting. And it follows four characters who uh-huh. get very disturbed and screwed up on that notion. Yeah. And you find out that there really are these forces behind the store that's kind of manipulating the people who come into it. It's got a real kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of say it's sort of like if. Um, you know, uh, Twin Peaks and Stranger Things had a baby, you know, and Ray Bradbury <laughs> okay. was the godfather. All right, we're, we're just know, getting deeper and deeper into of, this pit of weirdo, yeah, weirdness. But, it, but it's with all Chris's <laughs> but, stuff, like with She Could Fly, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, a great humanity to his uh-huh. work. He really okay. knows character well. Very excited about that. And Andy mm-hmm. Nascente, um, legendary right, you know, mm-hmm. Marvel oh, writer, yeah, sure. mm-hmm. um, who's doing the seeds of David Aha uh, for Burger Books, which has been oh, on yeah. a bit of a delay, but it's coming okay. back. We'll finish off the last two issues mm-hmm. late, late this year. Um, but Annie um, is doing a new series, which is we're announcing, I believe, like next month. Oh. So this is perfect time. Oh, great. But we've kind of done a soft announcement, yeah. and we're doing another announcement. Okay, great. Care, no, right? great. Yeah. we got a scoop here. Okay. Right, yeah, we got a scoop, right. Um, Ruby Falls is the name of the okay. series. It's mm-hmm. also a town, a story about kind of a weird small town in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um where um, a, 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 a murder that happened decades earlier uh-huh. gets uncovered through an elderly woman's dementia-ridden memories. Uh-huh. And her granddaughter um, basically wants to um, uncover the facts of this cold case. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the story sort of affects three generations of women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, you know, in a small town. It's got a great... Um, cast of, of, of women. Okay, um, all right, well. <laughs> different ages. Okay. And um, uh, neo-noir, mystery, mm-hmm. um, really cool stuff, really different stuff for Annie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really stressed herself as a writer. And the artist, Flavia Biondi, beautiful, beautiful uh-huh. work. She's an Italian artist. First work published in America. Okay. Beautiful. You've got to check out her stuff. Okay. It's gorgeous. Well, I don't want to, I want to burn up too yeah. much of your time, but there's, right. isn't there one more book, the G. Willow Wilson book? G. Willow Wilson, so, Invisible Kingdom. Yeah. Which is an ongoing monthly, which is, um, I mean, the collection, I think, will be coming out pretty soon. The collection is coming out, mm-hmm. uh, and it's coming out in October. Good. And, uh, I love Willow. I, you know, sure, worked with her, her first work at Vertigo on, uh, yeah, on Cairo, yeah, yeah. Cairo and Air. Yeah. And um, 
And Invisible Kingdom is, you know, Willow is teamed up with, with Christian Ward, who she, she suggested, this amazing, yeah. really singular artist um, with a really unique, beautiful, bold, colorful mm. style. And But Willow is doing a... A, a, just a great story about two women. Again, two yeah, women. Right. You know, <laughs> That's a, right. a theme. You, you, a theme you, here. you set that yeah, up from yeah, the beginning. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, two women in, in, in a future world, which is very much deals with um, faith or the loss mm-hmm. loss of faith, and also um, intense, intense commercialism and capitalism, yeah. and how these two forces, so the two big forces on, uh, in this world of religion um, sure. and commercialism, are involved in this conspiracy mm. to control the world and to control this universe in the future and our two stars of the comic one a um, a uh, nun n-o-n-e okay. but she's a oh. disciple of, a, of this dominant religion mm-hmm. um, uh, uncovers the secret um, while she's she's a scriptorian and she's going through the the, the log of the head nuns um Diary, and she finds these transactions with the head sort of Lux Corporation, which is kind of like the Amazon yeah. um, okay. of the time, you know, right. intent. Um, and um, and she sort of she finds out about this conspiracy at the same time that a, a captain of a freighter um, ship of four locks also finds out about it. So these two women now are joined together kind of on the run mm-hmm. from a sense the church yeah. and for want of a better word the church of the time yeah. um, and the big you know commercial materialist um, controlling force of the world and so it's 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 great character stuff it's great action yeah. great sci-fi concepts beautiful original worlds created it's a really really enjoying the book it's and a, a remarkable author, written. sure, yeah, uh, who has a knack for really creating really thoughtful, imaginative series. He's sort of, uh, yeah. you know, just kind of hit the American comic book market by storm exactly. ever since she's been here. Exactly, so. and this is the big, the first creator on stuff she's done since Ms. Marvel yeah. mm-hmm. and and Wonder Woman. Now. Great. So thrilled right. to have Willa Duke work with her again. All right, so. great. Well, anyway. I, yeah. well, I'm thrilled to get a chance to talk with you again. Oh, you too, Calvin. Uh, thanks for your time. I can't My wait pleasure. to read the books. Yeah. All right, Thank thanks so, so much, much, Karen, for being on More to Come yet again. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thanks. You bet. Okay. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly, and editor of PW Comics World, PW's online coverage of comics and graphic novel publishing. Uh, check us out online at publishersweekly.com/slash/comics. All right, I'm going to get right to the chase. Uh, I've got uh, really two iconic artists here who have done an amazing reimagination. Of the origin story of Superman, uh, the the legendary Frank Miller, the iconic John Romita Jr. Thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Um, my obviously we're going to talk about Super, Super, Superman Year One. Um, just a, a nuanced literary reimagination of the character. I mean, you build such. You try to show, it seems to me, the building of Superman's character very methodically and layered. Now, that's my idea, but I really would love to hear, obviously, uh, from both of you, how you collaborated to to turn this, to, to create a, a, a view of Superman that's rooted in today. Dad, you're on the bars. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start if you want. <laughs> the, the 
reimagining was easy if you think of it this way. Mm. All superheroes seem to be the kid that becomes a superhero by explosion. Sure. What do you do with a super being that's a super being from the from, from conception? Mm -hmm. And then you place that super being into the everyday life and peel apart every single moment of frustration that we've all gone through as kids. Sure. And then what is the reaction of an intergalactic superpowered being? How do you stop yourself from slapping bullies around and killing them accidentally? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What happens in a bar fight? What happens when a girl comes up to you? What happens in a football game? Oh, yes. <laughs> and the father tells you not to show yeah. off. The mother says, don't hurt mm -hmm. anybody, don't get hurt. Mm -hmm. The father says, don't let anybody touch you, but don't hurt anybody. Yeah. How do you deal with that as an intergalactic, intergalactic super mm -hmm. being? That's the way to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, there's that, and there's also the fact yeah. that this is, this is a creature with a magnificent destiny. And mm -hmm. to put it plainly, man, everything about this guy is biblical. Sure. You know, he, he's Moses. He's, he, you know, he's when the planet explodes, he's put like Moses in a in a little cradle and 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 sent mm -hmm. through space where where, where 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 he's raised with a natural abilities. He sees things no one can see. Mm -hmm. He experiences things as if as if the planet is just being born around him. Sure. Um, and and uh, <clears throat> and so he could as easily become a bad guy as a good guy. Mm -hmm. And if he became a bad guy, he'd just conquer everything and sure. be our worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. But because of these these small town parents, and because of something inside him, he, he becomes a force for good. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I'm getting at in, in my questions is that it, it, all of the elements of the origin of this story that we all know so well, yeah. it's all there. Yeah. But it, it's a little different in how yeah. you guys lay the story out. Yeah. It's very methodical. That's my point about the character building. That, to me, seems to be a really integral part of what you're trying to do with the art as well as oh, yeah. with the the, the, uh, the writing. Because slowly but surely we see all of these incidents that lead to the kind of character that we take Superman to be. Yeah. Um, siding uh, against the weak, against the strong. Um, yeah, as you were saying, learning about how to, how to control yourself. Um, I, I, did you guys talk this out? I mean, what, what, what was the process of, of coming up with telling this story that's so familiar, but coming up with a new way of connecting with readers? When I got the plot, I would thumbnail it out, mm -hmm. paste it out to get the right amount of pages. Call Frank, call the editors, and tell them what I was. You never do. get the right amount of pages. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But then I would run it past him, mm -hmm. what I was planning on doing, and run it past the editors to make sure because mm -hmm. I am the neophyte here. I didn't uh, know as much about the character nearly as much that he does and the mm -hmm. editors do. So I had to ask, mm -hmm. and we would run it back and forth and. Mm -hmm. It worked out so nicely. Oh, Give me yes. a little example of sure. what he did that made it easier for me. In a line at the beginning saying, through the eyes of this infant, yep. and the first ten pages you don't see the infant, it's happening in front sure. of him. Yes. Yeah. His parents get disintegrated. So for the And suddenly there's a reflection in the glass mm. of the, the rocket. That's the kind of thing that we had to do differently because yeah. mm. it's been done so many times before differently. Yeah. Um, well, to talk about the art, one of the things, the way you kind of square up every panel, that's very interesting. I mean, it's as if 
it's almost like a stage in, in many ways. And it really does add to the dramatic effect because it's kind of, you know, you know that something's about to happen. So, I mean, I think this is a really effective way that you've used throughout the... And I've only read the first issue. I guess that's the only one that's out there now. But it was, I found it really effective. I mean, is that... I mean, I've seen so much of your work, and I was actually interviewing Gene Yang earlier today. Uh, so, uh, it, it, was that something that you do generally? Just it, Did it just organically come up to the layouts that way? Uh, yes, because I didn't overthink it. Yeah. Uh, and I remember as a young guy watching... My father, Jack Kirby, John Buscema, do books, sure. sell, tell stories with either square or rectangular panels. Mm-hmm. And my father saying to me, rectangular panels are what you watch in a movie theater. Sure. Although at the time, everything was square. But I, yeah, sure. Uh, that's the peripheral vision. So that's what every book should be, is just in the, that storyboard format. So I don't like to do creative, crazy panel shapes. I mm-hmm. want the story in the panel to be more important than the shape of the panel. Mm-hmm. So that affects everything about my design. But I, it's a stop-action movie to me. Yeah. And I was raised on that theory sure. with my father. And mm-hmm. he and I have similar storytelling styles in that mm-hmm. we are deliberate. And that's the way it should be. Well, that's what's... I mean, that's what you notice immediately because it just seems to be so careful to, as how each scene builds, uh, builds up. Um, uh I'm, I'm curious about how you updated various parts. I mean, you, you, he's in Kansas, but it, it's probably not the same Kansas that I read about when I was reading superheroes, you know, in the 1960s. So, you, I mean, you, it, it, clearly you brought the story forward uh, to kind of show the kind of world that he's growing up in. And, of course, the kinds of, of allies and people in his group that he will would align himself with well, right, yeah, as a young the, man. And also, the, 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 a lot of that is... <laughs> environment and character have to work together. Yes. I, I wanted the Kansas to be a mythical Kansas. Mm-hmm. That is, that is, it, it, like, really, I I didn't care whether it was Depression-era Kansas, like the original Superman, mm-hmm. or the Kansas that exists today, which basically is an awful lot of gas stations. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, so on. Um, and I, I wanted it to be the, 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 the um, Superman's Kansas. Mm-hmm. Like the magical, uh, the magical uh, sort of midwestern piece of of, of America, mm-hmm. um, and it, that it do just like for instance what they used for Kansas in the first Superman movie was mm-hmm. Calgary, oh really, in, in Alberta, Canada, <laughs> um, and and so it had to be beautiful and 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 uh, and, a, and a, a place where things were essentially ordered. Uh, because it's to get him ready for what was coming. Yes. Where we'd be taught some, some, some a, a simple values to, to live by. Well, once again, the story, I mean, the way you phrase it, every page seems to be getting him ready yeah. for his his destiny, exactly. his yeah. duty. Exactly. Uh, his hero's journey. And, and you, you, exactly. And uh, I'm going to jump to the color now. Because I mean, oh, yeah. I, I think that always comes out in your work, but really, it really it's once again, this is it, it's another character in the book. Uh, as you're talking about uh, a real, a really rich Kansas, but every scene, every book. I mean, obviously, this is something that you want 
in all, uh, can you talk a little bit about how it worked out in in Superman Year One? The, the, the locations of Kansas and and oh, we just that the way you thought color. about color, yeah, Alex, in any scene. Yeah, look, we here we got to mention the talents of Alex Sinclair. Okay, sure. The, the colorist in it that that he brings. Um, yes, yeah, my mistake. Brings, yeah, sure. He, he brings a, a delicious, almost hyper realism. Yeah. To, to Kansas, where everything is is. I, it feels to me like very much like Superman, like the greens are greener than they yeah. really are, mm-hmm. but that's how he'd see them. Sure. That, 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 that's the yeah. truth. Yeah. We had four artists on this book, because uh, Danny yes, McKee, Alex Sinclair, Frank's an yeah. artist, and I'm an artist. We really have yeah. an advantage over a lot of teams, and Danny and Alex turned this into a beautiful product. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. So let me tell you, ask you also uh, uh, the relationships, and, and including the relationship with Lana Lang. Yeah. Also, uh, wonderfully characterized. Thanks. Also, sits him up. Tell me I, more. I think we both. Uh, I think we both had, had, uh, might have been drawing from personal experience yeah. with Lana Lang because, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm sure that you had a Lana Lang in your past. And I, I did <laughs> yes, too. I did. And and it's a particular kind of love. Yeah. That's experienced once in a lifetime. Sure. That that that. Um, and there, there's such. To, I found Lana so much fun to write um, because she was. You know, Clark has a history with strong women, and, and mm-hmm. she's no exception. Uh, she's 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 very much like Lois, and that she's very mm-hmm. smart and very brave. But she's an adolescent, so she's even more reckless. And yeah. and uh, and, it, and she's the one he gets to show off. Because <laughs> what guy isn't going to show off the fact? It was that his first kiss. That's what it's about. <laughs> and, and also, what? What? I'm sorry. With that age, you're with you're with a girl who looks that good and is that sweet, and that you're that in love with, and you can fly, and you're not going <laughs> to yeah. show her. Excuse me. It's like forget him. Yeah, come on. Let's be for real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you do capture uh, a really ethereal beauty uh, in her. Yeah, he does. Thank you. He uh, does. Yeah. And, and together, you two have created a very sweet, uh, you know, both uh, a love story in, in that part of it, and, and, and because this is ultimately a coming of age story. I love the fact that she's she knows who he is. Yeah. For yeah, yeah. most ever, yeah. other than his parents. Yeah. 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 And and that she waves goodbye to him from a mile away. Yeah. That's knowing a great he can see. Her. Yeah. I, that was. I yeah, love that. Also, it's a great scene. Credit where credit is due. You, you, you happened to point to me when you said that that touch that John just mentioned was it, great. Yeah, it was his touch. Uh-huh. I didn't come. I didn't yeah. get that. There you him. go. <laughs> I got the pages from him and he put that in, and I said, "Oh, I'm so happy to take credit for that." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, that was John's. Uh, well, look, I, I look. This is really great. I, I think I maybe have one more question, and that's because the it's kind of a new element that you seem to have added. Military service. Yeah. Um, but once again, it's see, ah, okay, credit where credit's due. But once again, this is, uh, this is a little bit unusual. I, I remember, I think I remember Man of Steel though. There was a merchant marine scene, but this is the first time I've seen this element, you know, in the, the origin story of him thinking, yeah, I need to prepare myself for the world, not just for Metropolis. So, uh, yeah, can you, can me, give me your, your thought about adding that? That element of military service. Sure. Um, a friend of mine came up with it. Ah. <laughs> she suggested it. Her name's Celine. 
she she she's um a, uh, well here you go you've got a credit people see Lynn yeah Thomas, well you, you guys Lynn are Thomas, doing that yeah, yeah. see Lynn Thomas said uh-huh. to me that, that that she suggested and I said that's a terrible idea <laughs> um I said I said you know it's, I said you know he's not going to be a weapon you know and and and, and she she He's got to get out and see things. And anyway, I kept pounding yeah. on my brain. He cannot. He would not be a weapon. He would not be when I went. That's well, a lot. Yeah. You got to do it. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of that, when he becomes a seal, yeah, well, then, ah. then he becomes a navy. Seal. And he oh. struggles that one with was your idea, wasn't it? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, right. you came in with navy. So basically, I'm just stealing a bunch of ideas here. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> that's, that's what, what collaboration. That's right. There you go. Well, uh, you stealed it for a good cause. So uh, yeah, the Navy Seal idea was that that was where, that's where the the rubber hit the road. Mm. You see, because I could I could have played the soldier thing, and I originally wanted to play the soldier thing. I had a terrible idea about how to play the soldier thing. But I was gonna play it like he's just stuck in this peacetime military with nothing to do, with a bunch of fat sergeants around. <laughs> but as soon as you introduced the Seal idea, it it yeah. it, it became. Um, it, it put him in situations where he had to test, oh, sure, the powers, they're no problem. He had to test whether he could do what SEALs do. Sure. And they, they pretty much, I'm sorry, if I could be blunt about it, they, they pretty much have one job. They're assassins. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're not. They're trained they're not, to be assassins. They're not all assassins, but they're trained sure. to be assassins. Yeah, he struggles with that. And, and, yeah. uh, and, you know, that's, but that's, that's, that's when internal conflict is. So it was, it was me grappling with a problem I didn't want, but, Grudgingly being brought to do, yeah. do some good stuff, you know. Well, I that, hate doing good stuff. Well, that's what <laughs> I think is so engaging about this this new version of the Oregon stories. And you you really seem to tie all of the character facets that we know and love and are inspired by this character. You, you you've given them a grounding in something. I think no. this is really new and different. That's well said. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. So look, this is this has really been a thrill uh, talking with you. Uh, it's great to see you again after yeah, so many years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I read your father's comics. I'm reading your comics. This is yeah, awesome for yeah. me. It's a pleasure. Uh, yeah. So look, by thank the way, you. By the yes. way, his yes. father was a really mean guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody will tell you. All right. Which well, is nobody, why I became what I became. There nobody, you go. nobody has a good word to say about John. There you go. Well, I'm going to leave it on that. You can work that issue out. All right. But look, thank you so much for being on More to Come. This has been a thrill. Thanks okay, for having it's been us. A thrill. Thanks for having thank us. you so much. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I'm Heidi McDonald, the editor in chief of the Beat at ComicsBeat.com, live from San Diego Comic Con. You can probably hear in my voice. I can barely croak out a word. Um, so I'm going to try to get through this interview i'll leave the talking to our guest ronan huggard ronan thank you for being here ronan what is your title at inky pen uh yeah i'm the i'm the ceo okay um i'm chewing a slim jim you should never eat while you're on podcast but at comic-con you got to eat to live so ronan tell us about what inky pen is and what it does so, Inky Pen is an all-you-can-read subscription service, so think uh, Netflix-style service uh, for comics of all sorts, and um, uh, it's $7.99 a month, and currently we're only on one platform, which is actually the Nintendo Switch, which is a, uh, we were the third app on that after Hulu and 
YouTube. Oh. So, um, you know, we're very happy to be to be on that platform. Uh, there is a big crossover in the demographics of people who like comics and mm -hmm. people who like games and things like that. So, so what kind of material uh, do you carry on this service? Well, we have a lot of different publishers. Currently, you know, we have Dark Horse and IDW and um, Valiant and Humanoids. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have you know, some syndicated strips that people would know, uh, uh, Dilbert, and um, we also have some web comics and uh, you know, a bit of everything. And our catalog's growing every day, so uh, uh, we you know we're adding stuff as often as we can. Now the the Switch is a handheld device. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have a big giant screen. It's about the screen is about the size of a of a larger iPhone. Is that? I'm not a gamer, so I'm a little yeah. bit ignorant here. So you can actually well the the, the um, for those who don't know yet the the Switch you can plug it into a TV screen. Oh, so that, I see. That's, it's oh, USB. Okay, so the see idea how is you can be portable on the go, and if mm -hmm. you want to, you can. And uh, it just turns out actually through uh, that. You know, the size of the text on the screen mm -hmm. will usually be about the same as subtitles, so they're very readable um, for most formats, uh, mm -hmm. almost all formats. Um, uh, so you can enjoy it either on the go or at home. Um, and so, and again, it's uh, all you can eat, so you pay $7.99 yeah. a month and you get this, all this content. Yes, free. and what I will say is that we will soon be launching on other platforms. Mm -hmm. Ah, so okay. We will be launching on many platforms. Fortunately, I can't tell you well, exactly what. We were bribing yeah. people with donuts yesterday. Would your donut be of any interest to you, Ronan? How many donuts? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be Everyone honest. Everyone has a price. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, I mean, what kind of um, I mean, what has been the reaction to having the comics on this on this platform? Because I know, you know, we've talked to Comicsology many times, but this is kind of a new a new new yes. place to get comics. So I think it's a new new place to get comics, and it is um, a new model mm -hmm. in the sense that uh, first of all, uh, you know, there's a demographic overlap I mentioned, but but really this was we wanted to do something new and different. Um, so this was just a place to start. Mm -hmm. And um, the reaction was very positive. It was very nice. To have. People like they they like using it, and um, uh, it's introducing people who normally weren't as into comics mm -hmm. um, to comics. So we're, we're bringing new new great content to, to new people, which is always uh, well, always makes me happy personally. Right. Um, um, and of course, uh, you know, there's an interest that continues to grow, and, mm -hmm. um, but uh, we're really looking forward to expand that to other places. The other, the other side of what's new is this focus on an actual all you can read. Mm -hmm. So if you look at other services, they always do this. They double dip. They essentially say, okay, you can read maybe the first ten issues, but then the eleventh one mm -hmm. or so forth, you have to pay for. Whereas we just say to publishers, we make it very clear that we don't work that way. So mm -hmm. if you want your content on our platform, it has to be part of the package. So, and, in, and what has been the reaction from publishers to that? You know, how do they... Well, I think on a, it's an interesting one because there's a lot of, there's obviously a lot of business concerns and there's uh, plans that they know about that, you know, that we share with them which we haven't been able to share publicly yet. But... Um, the, the reaction, I think, on an emotional level is very positive. Everyone realizes that at some point there will be a Netflix for comics. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a service that is subscription only, that, that, that is successful. Um, and currently, you know, we're the only active, relevant mm -hmm. person with that sort of catalog that exists. 
So when we do hit other platforms, we're expecting a, a surge in interest. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, uh, and uh, are there? Have you found any kind of material? I mean, I know it's very, uh, you know. Uh, secretive information, but I mean, have there been any books that you've noticed have really done well on the on, on its inky pen so far? Um, I will say that some of the IP related to games, for mm -hmm. example, um, or IP related to or things that have very noticeable brands mm -hmm. um, would tend to do well. Uh, and also, I think that there's also people who are just obviously there's some new people who are judging things by their covers mm -hmm. in a way that normally isn't. Um, say wouldn't be as effective mm -hmm. uh, so I think those would be the three things that come to mind uh -huh. so so it's very different it's very our numbers would be very different from what other people are having right so but I, I I you know I think that's really fascinating though it I is. mean it's really fascinating to see how the medium affects how people are you know attracted what kind of material they're reading or you know who this yeah. audience is and how how they react to different things. Um, how, let's talk a, a little bit about your background. I mean, I, is, it, is it a Scandinavian company or Norwegian? So, so Because yes. I got that idea. Yes, it is but, a and it has a cute little mascot because I know that Scandinavians Inky. love Inky. Yes. yes. It's a little fox. It's so cute. And that's what attracted. Look, I'm all for the cute animal mascot. I think that's your yeah. greatest well, selling point besides having a really cool will, platform with cool content. Yeah, so, so we're global. We're, mm -hmm. We actually launch globally. And, and one of the things that, you know, we will be launching in different languages mm -hmm. in, in the future. Um, and one of the things that we, you know, we had our eyes on Japan. And, and so the idea is that we're eventually going to be there. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently mascots are sort of would be recommended mm -hmm. for yes. our... For our type of product down there, so right. uh, so we just went ahead straight away and said, why not? Why not go uh, start with one? So, uh, but I can't be the only fan of Inky. No, people <laughs> like Inky. We actually, I think we have a bunch of artists who've been drawing Inky mm. on the slide. I'll see if I can get them to uh, to share that on Twitter. All right, very good. Um, but yeah, tell, talk a little bit about your your background and why you're doing this. Yeah, so um, I've always loved comics, um, but. I think this, this, you know, I grew up in I grew up in Luxembourg actually, a small country in Central Europe, um, and uh, you know there wasn't that much available to me, and not always. Uh, so so I, I like the idea of, of I think a lot of people download comics whether legally or not. Mm -hmm. or, you know, if, if you can't get something, then what options do people have? So the idea is really to to give people all over all over the world access to, to great content that was one of the things um, and a lot of it honestly it's just something I wanted didn't exist mm -hmm. so right. that, that was uh, my own background I, I was working in television until recently and you know building technology for journalists and um, you know all the stuff you see on this, the news all the graphics uh, the tooling for that um, so uh, the other main person involved in, in the foundation of independence from the games industry CEO of Rain Games, um, and so we were kind of somebody from games, somebody from TV, and we were both <laughs> like comics. We're all we're in media, so you know. Right. So you're having a beer, and then next thing you know, you're going to yeah. take over the world. Yeah. Comics. You got to watch out for those beer ideas. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, can become a quest. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Now, have you been to Comic Con before? Yes, it's my second year. Oh. First year, uh, nobody knew that we were. We were doing things. So you were, we were just the guy hanging out. Yeah, sneakily, 
signing deals. <laughs> what do you, uh, so, oh, so you don't know. You know, the big talk here at this con, I, everyone who's heard me has heard me talking about this, so it makes me sound like an alcoholic. But, you know, there's a, a crisis this year that the bar that everybody used to hang out at is closed. Have you oh, heard really? about the Hyatt Bar crisis? I, I have not heard about this. This oh. is terrible. Oh, well, I mean, it was a bar that everybody loved to hate, but everybody yeah. went there anyway, yeah. you know. But, yeah, it's closed this year, and it's just got everybody in, out of sorts. It's, um, you know, like people come to Comic-Con many, many times, and they have their little rituals they like doing. So, yeah, yeah uh, it can be uh, daunting. But but anyway, so what what you're here, you're set up. I actually just interviewed him for yesterday's podcast, Stephen Robeson at, at um, Fanfare. So you're set up with him. Oh, uh, yeah. Tag teaming with him. That's really interesting. So um, we know Stephen because uh, in in Norway, where we founded the company, they actually they have some incentives to set up new businesses. And, and one of them is they actually allow you to, to hire mentors and things like that for wow. small amounts of, of, of money. But the idea is to get experts in the industry. And, uh, and Robson's been around the block a few times, and he knows... Uh, he knows everyone, so and he was uh, Peter was introduced to him through another artist who he knew who worked in the games industry, and we just hit it off. And that's I think that's a lot of what Comic Con's about is you know working with you know finding finding those personal connections, and then you know and that comes back to the what I was saying about the publishers is emotionally a lot of them want this to exist. They go, this is cool. I would use it. Mm-hmm. I want it to exist. <laughs> so then it becomes so much easier to sign a deal when you go, yeah, um, you know, mm-hmm. we both actually think this is really right. Right. You know, right. As opposed to other models and other systems where people go, yeah, but I don't really, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. sure, maybe it's good business, but it's not a, it's not a good idea and it's not, um, not something that resonates. Well, it's an interesting time in the comics industry. We really, I think last year, um, set off some changes. Everybody's like, oh, it's so weird here at Comic-Con. I call Comic-Con the end of the fiscal year for comics because everybody yeah. peaks for it and then everybody finally gets through this four and a half days and then they go home and, yeah. you know, sleep and then they start it all over again. But, um, it's yeah, it's an interesting time with, um, you know, there's a lot of movement on the show floor and new publishers. Uh, here for Publishers Weekly, our, our panel this year was all new publishers and there were so many people on the panel they couldn't all even talk, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just seems like so it's ripe for some kind of disruption at this point. I think so. And I don't think... I think there's a false dichotomy people give. They say, uh, when they see digital, for example, is, I still buy paper. I'm never going to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think people will. Um, but I think you have to be living under a rock to think things aren't changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, uh, with, you know, everyone has a phone. Everyone has, you know... Many people have tablets. Everyone has a computer, probably a laptop. Uh, you know, it's it, to, to try out a comic you don't like mm-hmm. or end up not liking uh, by buying it in a store is, is something which you know I do still. But um, God bless you, know, you. But uh, you know, I, yeah, I go down to my local my my local uh, comic shop, Outland in Bergen. So um, you know that that that's something that. I'm, I really want those to keep on existing, and I think they will. 
but at the same token, uh, ex I think discovery is really weak. Uh, if you ever see a new person walk into a comic shop, you'll know what I mean. Yes. Sort of, uh, terrified. Well, it's even discovery is weak on some digital platforms that's as well. That's true. That's very true. Uh, so that's something we're, we're working on and we'll be building is better ways of, uh, of discovering. Mm. Well, that it really, I, I do talk to people and, you know, discovery is the big battle right now. Yeah. Especially because of you have Netflix and all these other mm. streaming platforms launching mm. and, um, you know, I mean, there's just more and more and more and more of everything all the time and your head is spinning. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. It's, it's, it's the filter, the ability to stop all the things, that, you know, when there's that much content and I mean so much of it is good as well for particular people uh, so certain people really like a certain thing how do you find your thing what, that mountain right why do you think I mean you know you, you're working in a multimedia company with you know people from different disciplines why do you think print has stayed so durable it's I think it's uh, one is a sense of ownership so one of the one of the problems I have with digital ownership and buying things digitally is that you, you feel like you own it, but it's, it's somewhere else. It's on someone else's server, and, and maybe that company goes bust, and that's happened already, and mm -hmm. then you lose your content. Well, was it ever really yours? Um, you know, you can't lend it to a friend. You can't, uh, you know, you can't get it. I mean, a signed digital copy isn't worth that. Right, right. right. So um, there's there's that. There's the, the tactile nature of it. You know, a, you know, a book never runs out of batteries. You know, right, right, right. There's all these different things. Um, so I think that's that's again, it's not a choice. We want both. I don't want to compromise. I right. want the best of both worlds. You know? Yeah, and I, I want mean, the books I love, and 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 then I also want to be able to check out things without having to buy everything that I see just to know if it's halfway decent. Well, living in a small New York apartment. Mm. I that is full of books and that leaves no room for me. Yes, I absolutely uh, am the same way. It's like I watch much prefer like at so many and I finally learned because I'm a pack rat. I love things. I love books and you know people here at the show are like, oh, can I give you this? And I was like, you know what? I would just like to have a PDF if you could send me that. And getting them organized and finding a means to read them your iPad or whatever that yeah. becomes the challenge of just keeping them organized yeah so um, but yeah it, it's it, digital is a great way to read comics too absolutely yeah. I mean that's the thing is it's not the future it's part of the future yes there you go what is next we're just going to wrap it up here what is next for Inky Pen then we're going to have a launch announcement mm -hmm. at some point um, uh, so that will be very exciting uh, we'll be going on new platforms we'll be doing new languages um, and uh, we'll be adding more content. And your mascot will continue to be adorable. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ronan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us here. Thank you. And happy Comic-Con.